Welcome to the About Perception podcast from the Garrity Group Public Relations. This is Tom Garrity. Today's episode will include insights from Tom Hogue, fellow PRSA and vice chairman of HK Strategies. I had a chance to catch up with Tom at the North Carolina Public Relations Society of America, where we were both keynote speakers. Tom was speaking to the group about understanding and motivating today's workforce. I left. I was in government uh, as a chief of staff to a senator for six years, and obviously public opinion and the ability to help shape it was very, very important there. That led me to starting my own firm. I ran it for 10 years and then sold it to Hill and Knowlton and was fortunate enough that three years later uh, the CEO retired and I ended up getting that top job. So I ran it for a number of years, thought I had retired, but I keep seeming to be pulled back in in one capacity or another. And it sounds like that you had some good mentors along the way. I had fabulous mentors. Growing up in the era I did, sort of post-World War II, parents, most parents were working two jobs just to make ends meet. So you picked up your mentors in other places. Not that my father wasn't a mentor, but you did pick them up in other places. I had a civics teacher in high school who was a great mentor. I had a coach who was a great mentor. And along the way, each step of the way, I've been fortunate enough to find a good mentor who... 99% of the cases made the difference in success or failure. And, and uh, one of the areas that I'm sure provided some mentorship as well uh, was uh, through Counselors Academy. Abs- absolutely. Shortly after I became CEO at Hill and Alton, I joined the Counselors Academy, and then I guess about four years later became the chairman of it and fell in love with it. I try to push everybody I can into counselors for several reasons. Number one, it's the most senior division, if you will, of PRSA. And I, for the life of me, I can't imagine being a part of a profession and not being a part of the trade association. I mean, if I'm counseling a client, I always say, what's your trade association doing in your industry? I mean, you need to know the competition, you need, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a big believer that anybody in our business ought to be a member of PRSA. Then I take the counselors another level because it's the most senior players at small and medium-sized and big firms. And um, one of the things I learned over the years is not all wisdom resides in the large firms. <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom throughout the ranks. Why not be a part of it and take full advantage of it? And so uh, when, you, when you think about mentorship and the people who have mentored you in Counselors Academy, there's a lot of crossover there, isn't there? A- absolutely, yeah. And, and not only in a professional sense, but in a personal sense. Some of the best friends I have in the world are people I met at the Counselors Academy, like, like Kathy Cripps. Um, somebody here today from Phoenix who reminds me of Michelle Olson down there, who I worked with on Counselors Academy. And I pretty much go over any major city in the United States and name you two or three people that are friends and professional colleagues because of Counselors Academy. One of the things that you had a chance to talk about uh, today here at the North Carolina Public Relations uh, event is leadership and the different platforms of leadership. Even though your talk was really more focused on HR, uh, human resources, can you talk a little bit, touch on the the platforms of leadership? It's my uh, favorite topic because I think without leadership, nothing happens. I was fortunate enough to, again, be a college student in the days when everybody went through ROTC which I happen to think was good. I think we ought to still do it. Uh, but then I went into this service afterwards and spent nearly seven years flying airplanes for the Navy. And during that time, I learned the importance of following, of being a good follower. And from there, you move into a leadership position with a, with a foundation because you've learned how to follow. And I don't believe you can be a good leader without understanding what it, what it is to be a good follower. 
So I'm, it's, a, it's a passion of mine, something I've studied and worked on and thought about my entire professional career. And I think it has to, it's an evolving thing. It has to change with what society is. It's not a finite. I go back to my military days. You could lead by uh, command and authority, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't work anymore. New generations got to be approached differently. And it's incumbent upon those of us who try to be leaders to understand the times we live in, the people we have to try to lead. Conclusion I came to, and I'm now incorporating it into a leadership college, is that uh, there's three platforms upon which leadership should be discussed. One is leadership leadership for the success of others. It's not about me. It's about them. Am I helping them to become leaders? Two is collaborative leadership. And this is so tied into where the millennials are. We have to be able to bring them into the thought process because they value it. And truth be known, we can learn from it. And then, of course, strategic leadership. I think during the um, downturn in the economy, the PR industry, in order to make money, allowed itself to become commoditized and provide tactical support by strategic support. With the economy doing better, we want a seat at the table again. We want to be seen as strategic after having given it up for a number of years. It's hard to get it back once you've given it up. Again, this is where leadership sets in. If You, you have to make a commitment uh, to becoming strategic. Leaders have to drive that, and it's not something where we just anoint somebody and say, well, now you're a strategic counselor. It's something that has to be cultivated, but it takes good leadership to cultivate it. Uh, one of the things that you're tremendously passionate about is uh, our millennials and uh, you know, helping people to understand the millennials and the mindset. Uh, one of the uh, several things that you shared that really resonated with me, we're talking about the three bones. Uh, and uh, I know you were, it was uh, information that yeah. was gleaned from someone else. Stole it from somebody. Yeah, and it's, those are the best <laughs> ideas, the ones that are reinvented, you know. <laughs> That's right. But uh, talk a little bit about that, if you will. Well, I, I, you know, there is a, people ask me, how did I get so passionate about millennials? And it starts with having nine grandkids. I got nine grandkids, six are in college, three that will be in college next year. And I'm real close to all of them. In fact, when we get ready to retire, we lived in New York City, um, and, and we were trying to figure out where to retire. My kids requested that we come back to Colorado, and they would all be there too, so we could all be together. So we all live within 15 minutes of one another. So I've gotten to be a big part of the lives of the nine grandkids, and I've been impressed with their smarts, their worldliness, uh, their enthusiasm, their excitement. It, 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 it all rubs off on me. So A, it gives me a good respect for that generation, but B, it's forced me into thinking about what do they bring that perhaps my generation didn't or another generation didn't. Each generation brings something special with it, but it's my belief that this can be the greatest generation because they're better educated, more realistic, more entrepreneurial. They've got so many assets. It's up to us as leaders to figure out how do we cultivate their skill set and make it a part of who we are. Uh, so I, it's, it's been a passion. On, on the three bones, this really actually started before I got all involved in the uh, millennials. I had heard a speaker speak in Chicago woman, and I honestly don't remember who it was, but she was asked a question about her hiring theory, and she referred to it as her three-bone theory, and it was a uh, wish, now, excuse me, it started out with a funny bone, good, self-directed sense of humor. I can take myself, I, I take myself seriously, or I, I am serious, but I don't take myself too seriously. I mean, it, I, I can have fun. I always want people like that around me. 
two is a backbone. Somebody that can make the tough decisions will stand up for what's right and as well as stand up for themselves. I always used to tell my people when I was CEO, my top people, your job is to keep me out of the weeds. I'm very capable of making a mistake. You've got to have the backbone to tell me when I'm goofing off or screwing up, whatever. And then the third bone is a wishbone, somebody with ambition. I don't want somebody around me that says, well, I've, I've made this amount of money now, and that's the status quo, okay? I want them to, to reach for things, you know, right? What's the old saying? If you reach for the stars, you might hit the moon or something along those lines. So that's, that's what I want as people around me that have those three bones, a funny bone, a wishbone, and a backbone. That's fantastic. Uh, and, and a good way to think about it, too. I mean, that's what hit me. Real simple. Yeah, you know, um, the industry has seen so much change. Uh, and, uh, you know, over the years, there's a lot of folks who are forecasting where the industry is going to be going, where it's been. Um, what do you think the future of public relations looks like? I, I, <laughs> I think it's stronger than ever. I love when I'm, when I'm lecturing at colleges. I love to ask the students uh, when 100 years from now, when we're all up in the pearly gates, we're having a discussion, and discussion focuses on have we lived in a revolutionary period or an evolutionary period. And after a bit of discussion, the students all arrive at the fact that we really are living in a revolutionary period. So then I ask the question, well, what's the catalyst of that revolution? And again, after a bit of discussion, they agree that it's the velocity of change in communications, the way we now get our information, okay? So then I say, well, who's sort of at the tip of that, of that catalyst? Oh, yeah, as people in communications. So, A, I have great confidence that our role will internally and externally will only become more important. Now, the question is, will, will our fundamentals of, of communication stay the same? The answer is yes. To convey to, to the public information accurately that moves public opinion in whatever direction we're trying to go. Will the channels change with the methodologies changes, et cetera, et cetera? Absolutely, yes. That's constantly going to evolve. I just did a seminar two days ago at George Mason University that was all about content marketing. That's a big flavor of today. Will it be something else two years from now? Absolutely. Will there be more channels two years, three years from now? Absolutely. But will the fundamentals of communication stay the same? Now, it might mean that there's more of a nexus with advertising, more of a nexus with marketing, traditional marketing firms, etc. Of course, but the fundamentals of communications will stay the same and the need will only become greater. Thank you for listening to the About Perception podcast on aboutperception.com. Bringing us to a close are the words of author Aldous Huxley. There are things known and there are things unknown. And in between are the doors of perception.